everyone. Welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're entering the hot August nights, but it's cold August days here. Uh, we're going to talk this week about Thelma and Louise and their film. But before we do, how was your week? Um, it's kind of a blur. Kind of a blur. There was so much to get done this week and so much at work that I, it's... As I was trying to remember the distinguishing features of this week, it's like remembering a face you've only seen once. <laughs> we on are, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a busy week, work week. This weekend is very mm-hmm. busy. You're prepping for an upcoming trip, right. so we're doing extra records and movie watches. You guys, we watched two movies before two we've recorded movies. this, so. But we figured that this net one and the next one will be different enough that we won't confuse them. <laughs> no, there's no chance of that. How was your week? Uh good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I good. think we're we're doing well. Uh I I am confused by the weather that we are experiencing. It's, what, sixty degrees? It is about sixty two degrees today. The high is gonna be about sixty six. The marine layer has come to Oakland. It came here early in July or mm-hmm. early in June and has been with us basically the entire time. We've had one hot day. Right. Maybe two? There was a few hot days this and summer. But... Given that the rest of this entire country is actively burning and destroying its population, we As feel very lucky. Europe. Europe, Europe is, is, yes. There are there are massive heat waves all over the globe and we are just in this weird pocket of of cool <laughs> grayness. Right. I, which um... is not bestowing us the the moisture that we need. Right. So we're just in this weird pocket of cool. For <laughs> those of you who do not have the blessing of living in flammable, flammable California, mm. standing out like by Tamales Bay and watching the uh, the marine layer kind of roll around over the hills mm. is a very impressive event. Because it is like watching someone pull this huge, fluffy, white blanket literally over the topography. Um, And then you're just sort of socked in. And the change in temperatures can be very different here. Uh, I remember going to Orinda for a job and then coming out of the other side of the tunnel and the temperature had dropped 12 or 15 degrees is what we measured. Mm -hmm. Um, It happens out here. but. For for some reason, this has been the coldest summer I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. I'm waiting at any moment for me mm. to look at my weather app and see 100 degrees right. for the foreseeable future. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but we are entering August, the coolest I can remember it being in the decade, two decades I've lived up here. Right. Yeah. Typically, we'd be at least in the mid to high 70s if not 80s or 90s, for a bulk of July, August, June, July, and August, and just well, not I, this I year. I spoke to a friend this morning who lives in New York. Yeah. Ooh. And she's... <sighs> Swelter. You know, she left... Cal- one of the reasons she left California was because it was too hot out here. Yeah. She had some migraines. 
And so... Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, well, well, what's it like out there? It's about 80, 85 right now. I'm going, well, it's about 60 right yeah. now. It'll stay that way pretty much between 60 and 70 for the rest of the day. Yeah. Or even talking to... And, s- and outside of our bubble, that's uh-huh. not the case. Because when we no. went out of town for a weekend, we drove 40 minutes and right. it was 100 degrees. <laughs> yes. So we're just... This marine layer has really socked us in and just won't... Yeah, and, and again, well, like, oh. I, I'm kind of ungrateful for it in many, mm-hmm. many ways. Because mm-hmm. I, when I hear about um, some of my other friends living in Ireland and in Wales and other parts of the world who are seeing just, the flooding and the well, storms in the Midwest, but they're also completely unused to 100 degrees, yeah. day after day, yeah, which is something that in California you get used to. I've never gotten used to it, but mm. yeah, but <laughs> and and certainly when I you you know. Traveling around places like Arizona or Nevada, you get used to that too. But yeah, for someone living, I imagine somewhere in Wales, going, "Oh, it's a hundred Everybody starts needing needing to be able to withstand the extremes in both directions, right? Um, no matter where they are, because it is unpredictable which direction it's going to go and when. Yeah, well, I'm ahead of the curve, as you well know. For those of you who've never met me. I tend to dress like one of the characters inside of... Um, Edward Gorey? Edward Gorey, yes. I tend to dress like an Edward Gorey character with just layers of coats and scarves and coats and You are a crew. You are our own crew. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. And we are your minion. But, yes. One, t- one opportunity for me to show foresight, and I did. Only I could do that to the rest of my life, but... Yeah. All right, you want to talk about this movie? Yes, I do want to talk about this movie. All right, let's talk about this movie. This movie is Thelma and Louise. This movie came out in 1991 and was directed by Ridley Scott. It does not follow uh, the typical Ridley Scott um, vibe. Except that it rains a lot. I mean, sure. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it was released in uh, May 20th, 1991 at Cannes, and... um, then came out in theaters the next weekend. Uh, it is. I was not looking forward to it coming into this mm. um, because I am tired of seeing women be raped on film, and I knew that there was a rape scene in this movie. I have seen this film once before. Have you? Mm. You've seen it once before I've as well. I've seen it once before because I, my, our roommate our made roommate both of us watch it at different watch it times. separately. And, um, because she loves the movie. Yeah. And, uh, and I had a different, I had a completely different impression of the film now, this time. Yeah, I will tell you that my watch of this one was, I enjoyed it way more than I was afraid I was going to, we'll Mm. say that. Uh, It was written by Callie Corey, who is a woman. I think that's one of the reasons that it works. I don't know that this movie works written and directed by men. Not written and directed by men. I think if it had been written, if this story had been written mm-hmm. and directed by men, it would not work. I, yeah. I just don't. Um, and she, Callie Corey, won the best screenplay from the New York Film Critics Circle, the Penn Center, uh, the Writers Guild of America. She won the Golden Globe and the Academy Award for for the screenplay for this film. Um, she also uh, created the show Nashville okay. uh, and wrote... Um, the, the Divine Secrets of the I.S. Sisterhood, something to talk about, and the movie that came out last year, Respect, 
Oh, and also Mad Money. Is that the... No. Never mind. <clears throat> Money Monster is the movie I was thinking of. Uh, but she didn't like that. So, she very talented. Uh, and I think a large reason that this movie works is both her writing and the casting. The casting of this film is very good. Each of the men, the male characters, I think is cast very well, and the two leads are cast very well. Uh, before we get started, let's talk about the leads. Uh, we have Louise. That is Susan Sarandon. She is 46 at the time this movie was filmed, playing about 36, probably. And we have Gina Davis as Thelma, who was 36 at the time this movie was filmed, playing about 26. So, this is a movie where older women are cast to play younger versions of themselves, which is always fun. <laughs> and they're not going to age. This movie, the whole of this movie, takes place over four days? Three Something days? Like that, yeah. It's not a lot of time. Uh, it's supposed to be a weekend away. And uh, it turns into the last weekend away. Um, I don't think you're spoiling anything by saying that. Either. No, we're gonna. Well, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna tell everything that happens in the movie. So, spoilers seems moot. Um, the tagline: somebody said get a life, so they did. Uh, Stephanie said that the at least when we were watching it on HBO Max. Oh, speaking of which, I gotta delete our Cinemax account or subscription. Uh, when we were watching it on HBO Max, it said. That it was a comedy. Wow. And I do not think that this movie is a comedy. There are comic moments in it. Yes, absolutely. But I would argue, overall, it it is an action... Uh, let's see. An action dramedy, I guess? I don't... They are funny. The situation is not funny. So, mm-hmm. I am funny, even when shit is dire. I tend to be funny. I don't know if that means my life is overall a comedy, just because I am funny in it. Um, we talked when we were watching it, or after we were watching it, I believe, about the casting of this movie. Susan Sarandon plays Louise. But who else was up for that so role? Originally, Kelly Corey wanted to direct this film on her own. Yeah, which would have been amazing. And, or, it was uh, based on her palling around with uh, the country singer Pam Tillis. Right? Okay. And she wanted to make a low-budget independent film. You can see how that could work. Oh, for sure. Um, it doesn't... I don't feel like even the budget of this movie was particularly high. And excuse me, no, she didn't intend to direct it. She wrote it. She was writing about her experiences hanging around with uh, Pam Tillis, and she wanted uh, Amanda Temple to direct it. Okay. Uh, and then she shopped the script around and couldn't get any interest. And the person who did show interest was Ridley Scott, right. who was very enthusiastic about it, but he wanted to produce the film, not direct it. Not direct it. But then he couldn't get the money unless he got he right. put his name on it as yeah, a well, that's, director? Well, eventually the producers were, we'll do it if you direct it. But... Yeah. Uh... Apparently, Bob Raffleson, who is a great road movie director from uh-huh. the seventies, uh, who I believe did Five Easy Pieces. Okay, um, that's was, who Ridley Scott wanted. Well, that's one of the the favorite people, him and Kevin mm. Reynolds, um, who I can't see. You know, you never can tell, but it's, I'm yeah. not sure that he's 
kind of do great with this material. But originally it was Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster. So Jodie Foster as Louise and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, no doubt, as Thelma. I think those are both spectacular actresses. I don't think either of them would be right for those parts or switched. I don't. Different. It would be, it would be a very different, different film. And and the funny part is that I think it would be. It's dark. Mm-hmm. I think it would be way darker with well, those two. <laughs> I think we should mention that film process began to drag on, casting, looking for money. Jodie Foster stopped because she had the commitment to do Silence of the Lambs. So mm. going from dark to dark to dark, really yes, dark, really dark, right? yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she was signed on to do it. Then the next pairing was Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. and then Meryl Streep dropped out because she had a Meryl couple- Streep and Goldie Hawn. Meryl Streep, I could see doing either at at this time. I could see doing either part actually, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sure paired with Goldie Hawn, she would have been the Louise, and Goldie Hawn would have been the Thelma. Yeah. Yeah. But she uh she dropped out and uh and I'm not sure what the issue is with Goldie Hawn. They just thought that she was not right for the part, I guess. Uh but eventually it worked these two. I think here's the thing with Thelma. Mm-hmm. Thelma is not very worldly. She seems pretty dumb to start with. She makes bad choices that aren't necessarily bad choices in a vacuum, just bad choices without uh, taking into account the context of where they are and what's around them, right? Um, Then she she grows a lot over the course of this film. film. She does kind of find herself, find her comfort. Unfortunately, she just needs to put a gun in her hand and she's good to go. She goes from holding it like like a soiled diaper at the beginning of the movie to like pulling it on a cop at the end of the movie. And she's like, I think I'm getting really good at this. And she's legitimately getting really good at this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, she really sort of something clicks in her where she finds her own self outside of whatever the, well, her married uh, self is. And I think I've read some criticism, some feminist criticism about Thelma as a character. Interesting. And saying that she just starts out as sort of ditzy, kind of brainless, not my words, character. I think part of that, mm-hmm. I think part of that um, sort of legitimate criticism comes because Gina Davis is a 36-year-old woman cast in this role. Mm-hmm. This character reads on the page and in action, especially for the first half of this right. movie, as being 20, married at 17. Right, now... She reads extremely young and very sheltered. What we learn is that she was, what, 18 or 19 when she gets married to this Mm -hmm. character. So that's part of it for me. But I think what also, along with the idea that she's playing younger and so it sort of comes across why is this more mature woman behaving so foolishly, Mm -hmm. is the fact that she's lived a horribly insulated life with a very controlling husband. Right. So every experience that she has, whether it's she, because she literally is the catalyst for every bad thing that happens to her. Yes. She makes a decision. Right. Because it is what she wants to do at the moment. 
and gets them further into trouble. Right, and then she makes another Try, decision. Trying to fix right. a thing, maybe, or try, you know, the first thing is not right. trying to fix anything. And she's not the catalyst to everything that happens, because Susan Sarandon pulls that fucking trigger. Right, okay, well, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should start Louise with pulls the, the trigger, okay. The film so, yeah, let's, let's start getting mm-hmm. into it, and then we can talk about these decisions and these thoughts as we go. Um, fundamentally, though, I think this movie does not work without Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. Right. The way that they interact with each other and the way that they fulfill these characters. But it is, Thelma is a tricky character. The whole beginning right. of this movie, I'm like, bitch, why are you acting like you're 17? You appear to be a grown-ass woman. And I can look it up and say, Gina Davis was 35 when she filmed this movie. She is a grown-ass right. woman. Even married to a very controlling husband, who we we know is fucking stepping out. We'll talk about why we know that immediately at the beginning. Um, I would think that this woman would have children by the by now, but maybe there's a infertility problem because I feel like being a, a sort of a captive housewife to a controlling husband. And not being able to leave the house is uh, is usually and 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 young, married very young is mm. also usually tied to you're not using birth control, mm. and you will have children. You will be impregnated by this man, partially so that he can have children, so that his legacy can carry on because that's usually part of it. But also to control you so that you can't go anywhere, okay. and that hasn't happened for her, and that is a little bit of a disconnect. And we never talk about. It. Mm. We know we don't talk about why both of these children are childless. List women are childless. Both of these women are. What did I say? Both children. of these children. Are child, both of these women are childless. We don't talk about I'm glad that. You said it, not me. And I think it's important. Right. To their stories, but it's not important it's a, to this story right. necessarily. But, it's a, it's, but it would give us some clarification on why she is the way she is. Where you're, yeah, at the whole beginning of this movie, I'm like, why do you not know to look around? No, I don't think you should cap your behavior because you presume that a man is going to be a predator. I don't presume that. I and especially now, in in '91, sure, that was a thing that we need to do and even now bring some plastic wrap with you like they leave their drinks unattended on a bar table to go dance and i'm like no ma'am it's a different time it's not a different time i mean because these men are doing the things what uh, what i say it's a different time doesn't mean that the morals have changed it's it's still wrong to kill a person in a boxcar What's the the joke that Norman McDonald used to tell? No, no, no. I also, but I think in 1991, it was a different time. I think especially Louise in Mm. 1991, because she sees the way that Thelma is acting and keeps warning her off of these things and tells her to be careful and tells her to look around. And she's still leaving her drinks unattended. Louise would know about being drugged. She would understand that. Like it's, uh, there, Mm. there are some choices that they make that is, that are, sort of counter that go against the other same things that they are doing. Okay. Um, so we meet Louise. She's a waitress uh, who tells her customers not to smoke while smoking. It's pretty good. It's a good move. She, um, she calls her friend Thelma from work uh, in the morning to see if she's ready to go. Cause they are going away that weekend to a friend's cabin. I guess the friend's, 
going to sell this cabin well, soon, so there. He, um, I, I think the backstory is the friend who we never meet. We never. It, it's it's literally it's said a, in like one sentence, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but that's it's kind point. of a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that the whole plot of the original plan is to get to this cabin. Yeah, they're just going to hang out in this cabin and, and hang out with each other and fish for uh, and drink way and too drink much in the in the yeah in the woods and, alone by yeah. themselves. They're not meeting anybody up there. Mm-hmm. I guess even though they know that they like the cops later know that they never arrived, so somebody at least looked right. well, in on them. Uh, Louise needs to get her head straight about her musician boyfriend. Yeah, she's dating she a dude named Jimmy, and Jimmy will neither shit nor get off the pot. A, a terrible phrase, but she's like... Well, but that that reaches the level of, you know, you're, you're in, in uh, this kind of... Yeah, so world. she's like, I'm mad at him, I'm going to leave. I'll, when I come back, we'll make up or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, I don't have to tell him shit. Thelma's like, I need to. I still have to ask Daryl if I can leave. Daryl is her husband. Daryl is a dickbag. Daryl, yes, is a carpet carpet salesman who always works late on Fridays. And sometimes because Daryl is fucking other women on Fridays. (laughs) That's what Daryl is doing. Which is terribly funny, um, considering. But uh, I found it odd that that actor. Yes. her controlling husband. Yeah. Was recommended by Gina Davis. It's her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And I thought, aha. And he's an actor you see do this part a lot. Right. I have a tendency to believe, actually, he's not like this. Probably not. But he knows dudes that are like this, and he can laugh he at can it. He channel it really because, well. Yes, he channels it very well, but I think he knows he is... Oh, but he looks like an idiot right. every time we see him, right? Like, right at the beginning, he looks he just looks like an asshole because she calls back to, to make sure that he's up and ready and he, she, he comes out and he's like, I told you not to holler and this, that, and the other. But then he goes out and gets in his Corvette. Right. But before he gets in his Corvette, he falls down because he f- trips over a pile of lumber, which he absolutely could have avoided like he just and just falls straight on his ass and then tells them that tells the workers that are out there that they need to be gone by three and i'm like dude why you already said you weren't gonna be home till late so how would you even know if they were gone by three whatever but he uh he's shouting and yelling and then he gets in his corvette and drives away and and then um and then someone proceeds to get ready she does not ask him for permission she proceeds to pack Literally everything in her closet, which is a problem later. But that, yes, that is part of the issue, right? Like, so some of this shit looks premeditated. Um, but she packs so much stuff, including Louise, including a gun. But we don't see her pack the gun. We right. we we get that right at the car. Um, and then Louise goes home from her shift and packs like a little satchel, and that's it. <laughs> uh, and um. And then Louise goes and picks up Thelma, who complains about her shitty car who won't that won't start, and and her and her husband won't get it fixed because he's busy spending all of his money on his Corvette with mm. a fucking I think it said the one or something like that his license plate it was I, gross uh, <laughs> didn't pay attention I. It was in one shot, so yeah, it was just a personalized license plate to just you know, mm. cap that, he's a dick situation. 
And um, and so then they get on the road, and, and uh, before they drive away, Thelma tries to get Louise to take her gun because she she has it for protection, but she doesn't know how to use it. And Louise is like, put it away! And so I guess they put it in the glove compartment or Louise's purse, it's unclear. Uh, but it's put away. And on the way to the cabin, Louise um, wants to just go straight there, but Thelma is like, it's my vacation and I would like to stop at this roadhouse to have a drink and have some fun and let our hair down because it's my vacation too and um, I'm going to get yelled at when I get back, so let me just enjoy it as much as I can. And Louise is like, oh, fine. So she pulls off at this roadhouse and they go in. They have a very nice waitress who knows that the dudes are here are low quality <laughs> and tries to sort of shove off and give them the space, but of course men don't listen. So Harlan buys them drinks. Thelma Harlan. decides that she's going to, you know, flirt with him, and she does mention her husband, so she's, you know, I'm at least up well, front so with that. Yeah, okay. both of them are married. Harlan does have a wife. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Thelma dances with Harlan does a bunch of shots, dances more with Harlan. Louise dances with some big dude that looks like Dwight Yoakam. I was like, is that? No, it isn't. But it looked like him. Uh, and then um, Thelma's, like, drunk and hot because they've been line dancing and she wants to go outside. And so she goes outside with Harlan, gets some air, and then Harlan forces himself on her. This is the part I was not excited about. Mm. She tries to fight him off. Uh, he bends her over a car, pulls down her underwear, and does start assaulting her, at which point yeah. Louise shows up. He doesn't succeed at assaulting her. It is, is I mean, not assaulting her. He doesn't succeed at... Penetrating her? Yeah, exactly. It's unclear to me that he, if, whether or not he does. Right. It seems like he she may says, have just... He says, she says later in the film, he, he would have hurt me a lot would. worse if you hadn't intervened. Well, but, but she also said, right. he raped me. I think that he got one in. Mm. We'll get. Okay, well. <laughs> well, I think that he was able to penetrate her one mm. time, at which point Louise shows up right. holding a gun to his neck and says, get off of her. That, then we pull back and we see her, her underwear is mm. down and he is flush up against her. But it is, I mean, you, they're not going to be graphic right. with it, right? It's not a, it's not a porn scene. We're not so trying to stop for titillation. It is more far enough. Like she's that. also crying. He has hit her across the face because she right. has bruises later. Um, this is a full-on sexual assault at this right. point, regardless of how far in we've yeah. gotten. Um, and Louise gets Thelma away from him. Thelma goes behind Louise, pulls her, like gets herself right. resituated. Um, Louise holds the gun on him, and Harlan um, has to fucking say something. He has to fucking he, say something. Yeah, it's he's really. First of all, before we go into that, I want to make it very clear that I think she's sexually assaulted. That does not mean that sexual yeah, assault right. is not the idea that she can get penetrated. No, the reason I bring that up is that. It was a subject of controversy with with Ridley Scott, where he was saying, "Well, she's raped," and he's like, "No, he didn't rape her. He tried to rape her." And so there's a he, question whether it was attempted the, rape or here, not. It's, there, but there I, is I just want to make these it, technical definitions. So are, I know, rough, but yeah. this is 
and I understand also but that also I am, there are, they they get into the legal gray area right. of why they get into more right. and more trouble as we go right um but I want to make it clear because I am when I said that I realized I am a man yeah. describing what sexual assault yeah. is yeah which is on a woman is yeah which is no I the entire thing is sexual it's assault. sexual assault yeah. yeah but in terms of that particular act it's it's um Scott apparently did not intend for that to be what people interpreted from the scene. Got you. Okay, so Scott, Ridley Scott clearly says no penetration mm-hmm. occurred. Yeah, that wasn't what happened. That she okay. like got there in the nick of time. Got there in the nick of Which time. again, also, it doesn't. Right. Is I, I mean, is that's a very male paradigm. Yeah. Yes. Right? No, it is. As soon as you have, because mm-hmm. he has grabbed her breasts, mm-hmm. he's grabbed her ass, he's probably grabbed like right. you know with his hand penetrated her because mm-hmm. that is a thing that happens right she's wearing a skirt um and he's torn her underwear away mm-hmm. so she is yeah vulnerable to him at that point um whether you know penis was involved you know he's also drunk so how yeah. Much is anything working at so this point? Like it's, it's yeah, that, I, yeah, the, the, I, the nuances are tricky. That's the problem. It becomes uh, an issue of nuances, and I don't want anyone to think that 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 isn't sexual assault. No, too. and to a to anybody who was triggered by a rape scene, I would say this is probably triggering. This Skip is this, scene. this is right. a, this is for all intents and purposes a rape scene. Right. Um, Louise gets Thelma away holding the gun on on Harlan and Harlan says I should have fucked her anyway and Louise says well, I'm sorry what <laughs> and then he says some very vulgar things and she busts a cap in his ass tr- triggered at this point we right. find out later why uh, does shoot him in the chest one time and then they Haul us out of there. Now, if they had just driven reasonably, dr- slowly, not pulled in front of a truck, not fishtailed out of the parking lot, they probably would have been fine. <laughs> they're, they're Louise abrupt. makes this, Thelma, they, they both have this discussion where Louise makes the point, well, Thelma's like, well, we can turn ourselves over to the police. Yes. And Louise is like, well, in a time like this, he's not going to get convicted. Everyone knows him. Yeah. Um, on top of which, as it turns out later on, everyone does know him. Yeah. Well, um, we already know. I was like, upside, that waitress is going to be on their side. Right. And it turns out the cop, the state cop, who is mm-hmm. played by Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, is also on their side. But mm-hmm. here's the reality of it. Most of the women that are in prison right. are there for killing their abusers. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. (laughs) It doesn't. They are. Louise, at the very least, will be going to prison for some time. It may only be six months, but she will serve a prison sentence for killing this man. Um, Because, she says, we were away. We were already away. He he wasn't actively on you. Um, We had gotten away. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a self-defense right, at the exactly. time that she pulled the trigger. Um, but also, like I said, they weren't. They didn't pay with a credit card. They didn't like. 
if they had just left, I think they brought a lot of attention to themselves tearing ass out of this fucking parking lot like they had just shot somebody. <laughs> you need to act like you didn't but, just shoot okay, somebody when panicked, you just shot and somebody. And we know why Louise yeah. panicked later on. Yes. We learned that, yes. you know, yes. about her history. Yes. Um. So, yeah, Thelma wants to go to the police. Louise is like, we're not doing that. So the and the other thing is, no one's going to believe that he assaulted you because they saw you drinking and dancing with him for the last hour and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you asked for it, which is 1991. But it's also like you were saying this movie has a lot to say now. And I'm like, I think it's just that people are listening to it now. It's the no, Selma's behavior in no year would say I would like to do that. I would like to engage in sex with you because she out loud with her voice said, no, I don't want to stop. Right. And that's <laughs> something that Louise tells Harlan. It's when you see a woman crying like that, that means no. Yeah. We were just having fun. It's like, no, he's slapping her around and yeah. trying to beat her. Into if submission. a woman is crying, she right. ain't having fun. That's pro tip. I mean, that's actually not a hundred percent true. But there are certain consensual behaviors that may, where one or both partners may cry. Uh, that's not what was happening here, though. That is a specialized case. Um, so they start driving. Louise is like, I'm go- we got to go to Mexico. I got to go to Mexico. I have shot a man. I need to go to Mexico. You right now are an accomplice at the very least, but I'm driving the car even. Like, Thelma right now is along for the ride. Yeah. She may have been the catalyst, but she is not making the choices at this moment. But yeah. I also don't think she has the capability to make choices quite yet. She's still in her trauma. Um, I don't think either of them actually is thinking rationally at this point. Though. No, I. But I think Louise is like, um, I don't. I can't go to prison. I'm. I need to go. I'm going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna make a run for Mexico. Um, <laughs> Thelma's looking at the map and is like, go take this, uh, this, uh, whatever the freeway is down through ta- or highway down into Dallas, and then go, we can go down through there. And she's like, uh, we're not going through Texas. And Thelma's like, you want to go from Oklahoma to Mexico without going through Texas? And Louise is like, I cannot be more clear I am not going to Texas. <laughs> and it turns out later we do find out that um, uh, Louise, while in Texas at some point previously in her life, was raped and by someone. Possibly killed the... At, uh, no, we don't know that. Well, I mean, but there's a suggestion there that... We don't... All we know is... She shot a guy. Keitel says, mm. I know what they, what he did to you right. in Texas. That's the phrase. That's, that's I, I, really I don't know all that, that he, she killed him. I think that she might have injured the guy. One of the more intriguing parts of this film is that there's a lot left unsaid. There's a ton left so unsaid. So that it becomes more like... And it's the kind of dialogue I like in that it hints at the fact that these characters have a life outside of the period yeah. of time that you're seeing them. But, but, but without through the interaction, through the interactions with them, we know maybe 60% of right. who these women are. We're not going to ever know 100% is, of who these women I like, are. I like the idea of just sort of sitting there like I'm in the backseat of this car. Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting all this information over here and yep. eavesdropping on the, this conversation. The way that they are interacting yeah. with each other, yeah. Um, so... 
And this is when JD comes in. <laughs> yes. So they're they're going west because they've got to go around around Texas. So they're going um, west, and this is the the one thing that I think is not. Maybe this this should have cemented in the fact that she didn't feel like she had been raped. Thelma mm-hmm. sees JD and is like instantly smitten with him. And I would be like, my vagina is off limits for a good six months right. after something like this happened. Certainly with a stranger. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I'm in a in, well, in a committed relationship with somebody that I trust, maybe yeah. I let you touch me. But with a stranger after what just happened with Harlan, especially after watching him get shot in the chest, I don't know that I let another man who I pick up off the street yeah. touch any part of my body. Physically, be with him. I think she just thinks he's cute and wants him. You know. Keeping them company just as of yet. I don't know. The it, female mind is still a mystery to Selma me. Selma is an interesting ca- character in that way. Cause so maybe mm-hmm. that is true. Um, and she, But she does lead with her sexuality a lot mm-hmm. in a way that would... men. I, If I was JD, I would presume the way that Thelma looked at me, talked to me, talked to Louise about me in front of me, mm-hmm. I would think Thelma wanted to fuck me. I when, think she, that, when they pull mm-hmm. over the second time... because. He's hitchhiking, and Thelma wants to give him a ride, and Louise is like, no, 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 right. no. Do you, do you, realize do you we're understand the run? what we're, is we're, happening we're, right. and the, what the last clean. man that you yes. wanted to be involved with did? We're not getting another dude that you got eyes for in, involved well, in this. I, I don't want to shoot anybody. There's else. a clear difference, though, to me, which is... Harlan was not somebody necessarily that she wanted to get involved. Harlan kept pushing himself on. He him did, but she was no. She Thelma was receptive was, to it. Thelma was receptive right off the right. bat. Louise was shut down the whole time. But I think with JD, it's like she's showing an interest. But as we later on learn, um, whatever Daryl is giving away for free on Friday nights, he's not giving to Thelma. No, Thelma is. Uh, what's the term? Pre-orgasmic. Yes. Uh, oh well, yes, that's also true too. Yeah, well, even if he is, whatever he's giving away on Friday nights, I doubt that those recipients are no super sad, leaving super satisfied either. Sorry, so, I don't think Harley or uh, I don't think any man in that Thelma is attracted to knows what they're doing, right. <laughs> or ca- or cares, or cares. Maybe that's what it is. That must Maybe they it. know what they're doing, and they just don't fucking care. Um, so Louise gets her way, and they do leave JD behind but then they do find see him again further down the road and mm-hmm. Thelma like does a puppy like she goes <laughs> like she pants like a puppy at uh, Susan Sarandon and says please that to me very much says I want some of this let him get in the car so Louise is like fine okay so fine. list of actors who we're Could have played JD. JD is uh, young. He's he says he's going back to school. That mm-hmm. is not what he is doing. We find out later who he really is. But Lies. he looks young enough that he could be twenty two, twenty three. They all look so much younger than they, they are. They do. Is... And he, Brad Pitt is in his late twenties when this um, okay. yeah. this movie was made. So and this is funny because we were having a, uh, and at his leanest yeah. he has ever been. We were he having is... a conversation over dinner last night with the same roommate, and we were talking about. You know, act women who like 
pretty men as opposed to women who like sort of like the Charles Bronson type. I don't yeah, know how yeah. done that. The number of actors who were interviewed for JD, Robert Downey Jr. Would have been great. What, right along the same lines as him in 1991. Mark Ruffalo. Don't know what he was like in 1991. John I'm Mellencamp. Not an actor. Go ahead. Dylan McDermott. And Dylan McDermott. Oh, Dylan McDermott. <laughs> The part Dermot McDermott. Dermot McDermott. <laughs> the part was given to Billy Baldwin. Billy Baldwin. And okay. He dropped He's out. He's too greasy, I think. Well, I mean, I mean, the character's pretty right. greasy. He it's... dropped out, and then another guy replaced him, who's unmentioned, or we don't know. Who we don't is. know who it is. And then he dropped out, and then they got Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's a great cast cast right. for this. Now, meanwhile, at the same time, we should say, mm-hmm. uh, Louise has called Jimmy to wire her Western Union her some money before all Western Union requests were a scam. She's got her life savings. She's got $6,700, and she needs him to send it to her because she doesn't have enough money to live once she gets to Mexico. So she needs him to send that money to her. And he agrees to do that. Right. When she um, goes, she leaves uh, JD and Thelma in the car. And she goes into the Western Union to get that money. And the money is not there. And then it turns out, oops, it's because Jimmy came in person. He got on a plane and he hates. She says, he says he hates getting on a plane. And I'm like, you travel as a musician. What do you, is it on it's a bus? on a bus. <laughs> or in a van, maybe? Um, and he has brought this money to her. He did bring the money. He didn't just show up like a power move and not have right. her money. He brought her money, but he wanted to come and see. So he he books two rooms. Right. So one for them, the the ladies, and one for him. And uh, they basically at that point shoo JD away. They're like, "Okay, you got your ride. You could you we're, get out." <laughs> I just love this scene where he comes to the car, Michael Madsen, who's like, "Who's that?" And again, as we mentioned, yeah. Brad Pitt is a smaller and guy. And at this point, <laughs> right. yes, Michael Madsen is a big dude who <laughs> right. looks like he will fuck anybody up. And then he's like, ah, "Just double away, sir." And, um, <laughs> right. and Thelma is sitting in the back seat looking at pictures or something right. with JD and. Uh, Louise is like, he's on his way. And, right. and Brad Pitt's like, have a nice life. Bye. <laughs> and just bounces out of the back of this car. Because uh, he's not an idiot. Right. Um, and then uh, Thelma and Louise are in one room. Madsen's in another room. Thelma um, and Louise are talking. Louise is showering and getting dressed. And she's going to go talk to Jimmy. Um, and... She's like, you know, if I'm not back in the morning, this is the room number I'm in. Like, she's right. giving all this information. She leaves the money with Thelma. You keep saying Thelma is the catalyst, but Louise is making some terrible choices. Louise Why? makes a bad choice. Louise should keep that money on her person. Why? Jimmy's not going to take it from he her. Just he gave brought it, to it her. with right, her. Exactly. Brought it down to her. Right. Thelma makes. But I don't think she saw. She foresaw. She didn't foresee it, but. She should have kept that money on her person. If the, she has, she has murdered a man. Mm-hmm. She, she Louise, just Louise in her brain. She has murdered a man, and she is running from Mexico. I'm sorry. I love you, Thelma. I could love you, Jimmy. This money is staying on my person at right. all times. I am duct taping it to my body. Okay. You can take all my clothes off. This money is still going to be attached right. to my. 
person. So she doesn't, though. She leaves it with Thelma. It's a bad choice, yo. Uh, and then she goes and has uh, uh, an interaction with Jimmy, which I actually really like. So Jimmy, first of all, Jimmy does do a thing where he does punch a wall and flip a table, which I don't like. That's abusive behavior, because if a man will hit a thing, he will hit a person. That is a thing that is a... Well, hit a person, yes. You're next, Louise. He doesn't as, hit her. As a person who's trained to hit things and people, it's like yes, but you don't I do it in a know. in a. You're not you're not hitting things in right. anger. That's not okay. what's happening. So so then he calms but down. The reason why he does this though, he throws this tantrum. Basically, is what he does. He throws a tantrum. Yes. Is that she's not going to tell him where she's going or what happened. she's trying to find like either a way to postpone or to completely break off this relationship. Yeah. And he's just getting more like it's it's feeding a syndrome of bait where he's yes. getting frustrated. Well, because then he mm. does fucking pull out a ring, right? And she's like, "Why now?" Because that was the thing that was mm. that was one of the issues I think that she was having with him was he's traveling for music all the time. He's not committing to yeah. her really, and she's worth more than that. She doesn't need to be somebody's back burner. But oh, now all of a sudden she mm. says, "I'm gonna go do. I'm leaving." Because I need to do something for me, well, whatever that something yeah. is. He originally thinks it's another person, too. Yeah. He and she, he's been on the road too much, and then she's met somebody else. And she says no, but right. guess what? Even if it was, that's yeah. what you get for being on the road all the time and not... And if you like it, you should have put a ring the, on it. <laughs> I've heard that before somewhere. Somewhere. Um, I think that if he's kind of a, a kid... Yes. Yeah, no, he is definitely. Right. He so, is an early prototype of the uh, man baby that we have now. When he shows up with the money, he wants to know where she's, what she's doing, and what kind of trouble she's. But in. he doesn't hold the money away from her. No, at no, least. no, no, he's, he's not taunting her. He's, he's legitimately it like a good dude. He just has some anger issues and some maturity. Issues. Yeah, and I think that the fact that he brings the ring and his first question is, "Is there somebody else?" Right. means that. What was he planning to do if it was somebody else? Well, like, he wouldn't have given her the ring. ring. No, no but he still, would. like, was that his 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 move? His move is you leave the guy. I'll give you. The, I don't know what his whole thing was, but it's he. Yeah, uh, Michael Madsen actually makes a very interesting character in this film. And so, for yes, I like his character. It's really interesting. I, I'm sad when he flips later. It it bums me out. Um, the the film the um. The critics who didn't, who rather, and I don't know exactly what it was about because I was around when this movie was a big mm-hmm. deal. When it first got I released. was 11 when this movie came out, yeah. so I didn't see it. I until I think the first time I saw it was my mid-30s and then this time. I was Then that, but the whole thing is, uh, the controversy around it was that there were no redeeming, redeeming male characters and there are at least two. Yeah, I don't. And I don't know that that redeems the story, but I don't again, know that I don't know that Madsen's is... character is redeeming. Redeem. I don't think that he is, and we'll get mm-hmm. to why. But okay. I think he's ninety percent there. But then he does right. the thing. Um, so she ends up spending the night with him, mm-hmm. um, and then sh- meanwhile. JD is knocking on Thelma's door. Hey, it's raining out here. Nobody is going to pick me up. How about we hang out? And she, Thelma has been drinking little bottles of liquor constantly through this movie. She has a buzz on this whole damn movie, which 
I respect and admire. <laughs> um, and uh, she does have, she invites him in. I think they, they keep drinking together. He may have some weed. Um, she finds out that he's a bank robber. He's not going back to school. What he does is rob banks or stores. He's a robber. He's a, he's an armed robber. Uh, that is what he does. We only have his word for this, so we don't know if he's ever robbed a bank or he's just like a and guy. She's a like, he's a holdup guy is what he and is. And he's a holdup guy. And she's like, well, how do you do that? And he goes through his whole spiel. Using and a hair dryer. a very good student. Yeah. Um, and and then he does... Uh, he does have sex with her. Mm. Uh, he does have the best sex with her she's ever had. He does do all the things that he should do with her. Um, and then the the next scene we see is um, um, Louise has basically said to Jimmy, I'll, uh, you know, I don't think it's smart to tell you what we're doing. That we're, go- we're going to Mexico, but it's not a good idea for you to go with us. I'll catch you down the road. It, so Louise is not closing the door to Jimmy. Right. But she's like, I am, like, in trouble. I don't think she told him. No, she didn't she tell didn't. him anything. She just said, we're right. in trouble and I gotta go. Which is why I think later on it kind of lends some sort of, not justification necessarily, <laughs> but you and I understand why he's doing this, Dak, because he's like, she did what? Yeah. And he's trying to, like, get her someplace. Yeah. And so... Um, they meet up, uh, Thelma and Louise meet up in the diner for breakfast and, uh, <laughs> Thelma's hair is fucked up. Yeah. That's, and she's that's like, a really funny scene. That scene I have had, I have right. had an orgasm. Like she's had her first orgasm uh-huh. and she is Twitter painted and just dick drunk. <laughs> and, just, and Louise is like, uh, where should he go? And she's like, uh, she's, he's taking a shower in the room. And Louise says, where is my my money? And, she, and Thelma says, it's on the night table. <laughs> and Louise knows yeah. that that money is gone. Because this motherfucker told you he steals money. That is what he does. And Thelma's like, no, he wouldn't do that. And they go back to the room. And of course, of course, of course, of course he would and did do that. Um... And so now they have no money. They have to get to Mexico. They have no money. They have no backup. Thelma has no money. Now, this is sort of when we start seeing the scenes back and forth between the cops. The cop, Harvey Keitel, is the cop. He is investigating. He interviews the waitress, who they have a relationship, it looks like. Um, And she's like, I hope Harlan's wife shot him. Right. So that's when we hear that he's got a wife, like, really got a wife, right? And um, it wasn't those girls. They tipped me me $20 on the way out. Like, they're not the kind to do this. Um, But she does say, and she doesn't know what car they drove. Mm -hmm. um, Because she's like, I work in there. I don't work out here. She mentions also that. Anybody's husband could have shot Harlan. Any, anybody, yeah, any woman in here who's got a husband, their yeah. husband, her, his wife, right. like any of these people, like yeah. he's a shitbag, and he fucking deserves what he got, whatever. So, um, and Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel is the redeeming man in this movie to me. I think okay. Harvey Keitel is like, um, you know, the way that these women are acting, it seems like, like, or the 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 way that this 
convertible peeled out, it seems like these are the perpetrators of that crime for whatever yeah. reason. But they decide to pull in the FBI, and that is a choice in this movie that they make that I don't understand. The FBI comes in, um, led by Stephen Tobolowsky, who is a dick in this movie, and is constantly eating. Brad Pitt doesn't eat one time in this movie. Stephen Tobolowsky is munching constantly. Um, and uh, at this point... Thelma, uh, in a bid to redeem herself, they're on the road, and she tells um, Louise to pull over. Louise has just broken down. Louise is like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. We're going to go until we can't go anymore, and then I don't. Am I going to have to suck a dick to fill this gas tank? Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, and she doesn't say that, but I'm sure that's the kind of thing that she's thinking. She's like, what can, what we don't have money. Right. And I am going to be wanted for murder here in a hot minute. And um, Louise goes into a store. Or no, Selma goes into a store. And then comes out of the store screaming, start the car, start the car. Louise isn't even in the driver's seat. She hops into the driver's seat. She starts the car. Selma gets in and pulls away and has a bag full of money because she has taken the script that was fed to her by Brad Pitt, by J.D., and and robbed this convenience store. Well, now the FBI is definitely involved. Got this woman on video with a gun. Mm -hmm. They are at her house. Oh, the other thing I want to say, though, Jimmy says, I won't tell the cops where you are. I won't even tell them that I saw you. Yeah. Then we see Michael Madsen pull up to his apartment in the rain. As you say, it's raining a lot here. Um, and Harvey Keitel is there and asks him some questions. And then later we find out that he had said he gave her $6,700 in this town. He does tell him that they had met up. So he lied to her about her safety mm. and the information that is safe with him. He flipped on, on her with the cops. And that made me bummed. I was bummed out by that. He doesn't say where they're going, though. No, that's JD. Um, well, see, the reason why I said that, or I, I still count him as a, char I, a character who's either... He's not all bad. No, he's not all bad. <laughs> I think what happens is that he, when he hears the magnitude of what she's done, yeah. he's like, when he's going, okay... Because we've made decisions like that for people in That's their lives. True. I mean, that We're is like, true. I won't yeah, tell them, but right. I will be charged with accessory to murder if I don't say something. I won't say, you but know. But beyond yeah. that, he also wants, he's like trying to take care of her, I think, in some ways. And so the idea that, is she on the run and she's going to get shot? Or is, can we just, like, promise to do this or that? Again, mm. again I'm reading something into yeah, it based yeah, on what Yeah, because we said. don't see any of that. Right. We don't see, we hear, we see him be confronted and then we see what Carvey Keitel right. knows after the fact. Yeah. We don't see the interaction between them. So yeah. it's likely Keitel is saying, I, I, I don't think that these are bad, they're, they're right. bad. I think they got caught up in something and I think that they're scared and I think I, I want, and I want to bring them in safely. And we keep seeing him say that. Right. Tobolowski wants to take these bitches down. Tobolowski wants to shoot these bitches in the head because right. he's the FBI and he's terrible. But Kaitel is like, 
this is not starting with what the waitress said. Yeah, you know, the they 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 have found themselves in an untenable position. Right. They are literally between a rock and a hard place, and we are both of those things. Right. <laughs> like it's just not. They didn't look, leave home on a killing spree. Tobolowski sees that Thelma has because they go to the uh-huh. house, right? They go. Um, Daryl is uh, confronted. Daryl. Daryl doesn't know what the fuck to do. Daryl didn't even know that his wife was gone because she tried to call him at four o'clock in the morning after everything happened, and he didn't answer the phone because he wasn't home. So. Daryl was out operative dipping his wick somewhere, <laughs> and uh, operative syllable being and then just is so confused and flabbergasted by what is happening, and they set up a tap on his phone in case she calls, um, and when she does, she calls from a payphone, and Louise is like, "If he sounds funny, hang up as soon like as soon as mm. you think something is up." <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite scene with them. This is funny. Um, it, she goes, hey, Daryl. He goes, hey, Thelma. And she hangs up the phone. She's like, nope. <laughs> that is not how he would talk to me in any universe. Something is fucking wrong. And then at that point, Louise calls back and says, give me the, give me the hand me the cops, hand me the cops. And Daryl's like, what, what, what cops? What are you talking about? I'm here by myself. She's like, hand me to the cops. And finally, Daryl hands the, the phone over and Louise and Cartel talk to each other. Sarandon and Cartel are talking to each other. And they, um, I think they understand each other. I think she does believe that he would do the best he could for her. But also at this point, you like, <laughs> There's a scene where, she, uh, right before this, where Louise is driving very quickly down the freeway and Thelma, drinking out, out of her little bottle, is like, do you think we should be going so fast? And Louise is like, no, but I want to get some space between us and the scene of our last crime that I didn't know you were going to commit. Right. <laughs> so we're like full-on fucking Bonnie and Clyde now. We are wanted in multiple states for multiple things like (laughs) this now counts as a crime spree Uh and so she's talking to him and she's like um you know i hear what you're saying um but i know that the justice department the the justice system is going to fuck me any way that i possibly can and Mm. i am not trying to have yeah. that. I'm not trying to live that life. Um, I should say there is a recurring character mm. of a truck driver that they keep passing that like shouts lewd things and makes gross uh, gestures. gestures out of the car. They pass him three times. Um, uh, and this, this brought back memories for me. Um, yeah. I remember being, uh, when I worked very briefly for a local uh, moving company, Yeah, there was a guy who, I'll never forget, in an empty truck, heading down, we're moving somebody's furniture from one house to the other, we're going around Lake Merritt, Yeah, and I'm seated between these two guys, Cass is on one side and this guy was on the other, 
And there's these two women who pulled up in a car next to them, and it was a convertible. They were, and he just rolls down his window and starts making the most disgusting kind yeah. of gestures to them. And they're looking at me and him, and I'm like, "Oh no, no! I have nothing to do with this asshole." Except I you weren't stopping today. him today, and I was like, "I was trying to." Okay, like, you got to say something, and you got to say something with your chest. Right. Shut the fuck up! Right? That's disgusting. Nobody is interested in this. The first, but <laughs> yeah, it was surprising to see. It was because just sort guess of what? When, he won't listen to women saying that right. to him. He may miss and listen to a man saying to that to, to him, but, but yeah, he's not going to listen to women because he doesn't see women as people. Right. Big, dumb, young kid. It's like, oh, God. And it's it's it was mortifying because I'd never actually seen it that close before. I'd seen it in passing. And like, yeah. How? Um, so they're going. There's um, conversations between them. Louise is like, oh, you know, I can. I'm going to Mexico. I will let you out if you want to go. And Thelma is like, um, this is the first time I've actually felt like I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I'm in it now. This mm-hmm. is, we're in it. Whatever it's going to be, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm not the same person that I was when I left the house. Like, it, we're just, we're, we have evolved into yeah. the next stage of whatever our lives are. She's like, I can't go back to Daryl. I can't live that life anymore. Like, there, it's just no. It's just going to be a no. They now the, the the police and the FBI have footage of Thelma mm-hmm. holding up this liquor store. Daryl watching it slack jawed. Like, how the fuck? Like this right. woman that I married is not the woman that I'm looking at, and yet the woman that I'm looking at looks just like the woman that I married. Um, and. They are at at one point pulled over in New Mexico, um, and Louise um, is asked. He asks Louise to step out of the car, and he goes back. And then uh, Thelma pulls out the gun, and um, they subdue the cop, take his gun. She gives his gun to Louise. She shoots two holes in the trunk of his police car, opens the trunk, has him get into it, tells Louise, this is, Thelma is in charge at this point, tells Louise to shoot out the radio, she shoots the radio, and Thelma goes, the police radio? (laughs) Bitch, what? (laughs) And then, because Louise can't believe, like, Louise first of all thought, jigs up, that's it, that's a wrap, I'm not going to shoot a cop. Um, And Thelma is like, nope, we're not done yet. Uh, I I was confused why they didn't lock him in the back of this cruiser. I, I have no idea. Um, and 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 then that he, seems like a like a really good way to wind up with like big cops. Big cops, exactly. In New Mexico, in the yeah. desert, in the trunk of this car, even with air holes, that could cook him. At the very least, in the back of the car, yes, he could die. You roll a, you roll the front window down, but he can't get out. That's a cage back there. Right. It's as good. Um, he could maybe kick out, like, given enough time, he could kick out the windows. But I feel like, yeah, putting a putting anybody in the trunk of a car in the New Mexico heat right. is a death sentence, whether you think it is or not. Um, and then uh, they drive away, and, and that's when Thelma's like, I think I'm getting really good at this. And Louise is like, I think you are, too. Uh, that We do get a follow-up on that guy, a bicyclist, the first black person we've seen in this whole movie. Um, with dreads, smoking a joint on a bicycle, 
uh, comes by, hears the cop, and then just decides to just blow weed smoke into the Okay, he's, he's like, the keys are that way, which I don't know how you know that, because then they slam the door and then throw the keys, but maybe they that. threw the keys and then closed the door on him. I don't know, but he tried, because they had thrown the keys away, mm. Uh, but this dude just decides the hot box, and which at least will calm him down. Um, and uh, Selma tries to ask Louise what happened in Texas, and Louise is like, I, we're not fucking talking about it. Uh, later the cop says I know what happened and she doesn't respond so angrily like so she's processing mm. things at some point they make the decision to go through Texas because they're on the fucking run and they gotta get to Mexico like immediately yeah. they do find out that the cops know that they're in Mexico but they right. know not from Jimmy but from JD they picked up JD and at this point Harlan is like um, so now they've Harlan? robbed no, I'm sorry, not Harlan. Um, I keep Harvey Keitel. Uh, I don't know his how. How that's Hal and Harlan are too fucking close. Hal, the cop, the mm-hmm. the cop that's on their side, is um saying, "Well, where'd you get the sixty six hundred dollars?" And JD doesn't want to admit to it. And then he's like, uh, "So now they're also wanted for robbery of this store. Do you think they would have robbed this store if you hadn't taken all of their money?" And JD's like, "Hmm." I mean, probably not. <laughs> and then he, JD also does taunt uh, Daryl a little bit. Uh, Daryl tries to attack him in a police station. Like, that's going to fucking happen, you idiot. Uh, but I was like, yeah, that's what you get. And um, then they, they pass the fucking trucker for a third time, at which point they're like, follow us. And he does. He fucking follows of them Of course, because he doesn't find this Whoa. suspicious at all, because he's an idiot. And also, what are you going to do with these two women? Right. You don't have exactly. it like that. There's no fucking way. So he gets out and tries to, like, fucking uh, come on to them. And they start basically shooting at him. Like, and he's like, calls them crazy. And then they start shooting at his truck. And they do blow it up. They do blow up his whole ass right. truck. And it's like a gas truck. So... It's a big explosion. It might have been... They may have been aiming for tires, and they got tires, but they also got maybe gas tank, and gas tank leads to... Yeah, right. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And then they just drive away and leave him in the desert, and it's satisfying. (laughs) It's good. Uh, And finally, they're sort of hemmed in they're hemmed in as cops are going to this explosion mm-hmm. they're driving the other way they're driving a 1966 con- blue convertible it, they're not inconspicuous um and the cops start right. like, get going after them and they just decide we're gonna just go and so they keep driving and they keep driving they're low to the ground so they get under some things the cop cars can't get under they are destroying a lot of cop cars and this is when i said in the when we were watching it i was like if they get caught they're also going to be charged for the property damage of all of this these police cars and and my roommate was surprised mm-hmm. to hear that and i was like oh yeah who the fuck do you think is going to pay for it? They're going to take it out of your wages one nickel at a time yeah. of your 60 cents an hour that you're making at whatever your prison job I, is. I, I was trying to think about between this film and 
uh, Terminator 2, mm-hmm. and maybe another film, The Blues Brothers, would be another one where it's like, how many cars are just yeah. destroyed? Destroyed, yeah. Because that was kind of the running joke of The Blues Brothers. There's, they're just constantly... They're constantly crashing police cars into yeah. buildings, into yeah. each other. They wind up in big heats. Yeah. It's pre- I mean, yeah. John Landis used to be a stuntman. Okay. Um, so he, he loves doing these huge yeah. gags like that. But I was going, I, I wonder how many cop cars. Yeah, but all of that stuff gets rolled into the, into property damage yeah. charges that go along. That's why when you see somebody indicted, it's like there's like 86 yeah. charges. It's because they did an armed robbery and then 14 cop cars, so that's 14 char- You know what I mean? Yeah, when right. all of the property damage is assessed in that, so that typically you'll get a stint in jail and a massive fucking fine that you just are responsible for paying off for the rest of your goddamn life. Yay. Our justice system's fucked up. Um, And um, they, she's driving, you know, Louise is driving, 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 and then she stops because there is a canyon in front of them. (laughs) And it is the Grand Canyon. If it's not the Grand Canyon, it's a Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Grand Canyon. And um, she's like, I don't know what to do. And Thelma's like, keep going. And, Thel- and and Louise is like, what do you mean? And she's like, just go. <laughs> like, we can't go back. Right. There's nothing for us. And She's not going to go back to her are, husband. She's not going back to her husband. They're not, they're going to go to prison. They don't want to go, like, there's nothing behind for them. The cops are coming up behind them. Um, And then uh, my favorite thing happens, which is Louise grabs Thelma's face and they kiss on the mouth. It is not romantic. It is a platonic mouth kiss. That is a real thing, which we have bastardized in our culture. But I really like that kiss. I think it's important. Um, and then they hold hands. And with Hal, the, uh, you know, Harvey Keitel's cop, just yelling, no, no, like, tell them that it's going to be fine. Like, yeah, go. Hal, Hal tries, he wants to be in on the final capture because he realizes these two women, they can't keep going. No. He knows they're going to be caught. He hopes that he can lighten everything because it's a circumstance. All under escalated, and they start Mm -hmm. shouting and screaming, and then. But meanwhile, Tobolowski's like, "All guns. That's the protocol. That's what we're fucking doing." And he's like, "Fuck! Like this is it's so fucked up. Like what? You're not taking any context into account." Um, And he's not. That's Mm -hmm. not what the FBI is here for. Um, And then Louise steps on the gas. And Hal runs at like is physically running after right. them, but it's they 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 you see them leave the ground right. and you see them fly for half a second. Mm-hmm. They are the last image. They are surrounded by nothing. It mm-hmm. is just the car in the sky, right. and then it changes to a drawing, and then it goes to white, and then. No. Without even one second passing, uh-huh. we start flashbacks no, of the a, scenes. I asked you both about that then. afterwards yeah. because just that day I had read Roger Ebert's review, mm-hmm. and I pulled up the, the the paragraph here. Yeah, um, I would have rated the movie four stars instead of three and a half, except for one shot, the last shot before the titles begin. 
This is the catharsis shot, the payoff, the moment which, when Thelma and Louise arrive at the truth, and their whole journey has been pointed, their whole journey has been pointed towards. And Scott and his editor, Tom Noble, botch it. It's a freeze frame that fades to white, which is fine, except it does so with unseemly haste, followed immediately by a vulgar carnival of distractions, flashbacks to the jolly faces of the two women, yeah. the roll of the end credits, and an upbeat country song. Yeah. It's unsettling to get it involved is. in a movie that takes 120 minutes to bring you to that payoff the filmmakers seem to fear. Yeah. If Scott and Mount had the last shot uh, had the last shot run an additional seven to ten seconds, then uh, and then held a fade for a decent interval. Interval. I don't agree with that. Actually, they would have gotten the payoff they deserved. Can one shot make that big a difference? This one does. So that's like See, okay. So he wants to hold on the car, but here's what happens to that car mm-hmm. in seven to ten seconds. It hits the ground. Well, no, he, I think he's talking about the freeze frame. Just the freeze frame right. on the car in the sky. That would be fine. Mm-hmm. The drawing would be fine. Even the white oh, for so everything would have five been seconds. Right. Probably doesn't even need seven to ten. Five seconds on the white screen where you can just go, oh, shit, they did that. Right. But you don't even have time to think those words before it is shot scene, like almost like bloopers. It's not. It's just right. these scenes, these flashes from the pre, like one second or two second flashes from previous scenes in the movie. And it's usually a good and then a bad and then a good and then a bad and a good and a bad. How they looked at the beginning, how they looked at the end, these juxtapositions. And it is fucking jarring. It is, you don't even have time to just digest. And I think that's especially heinous on the first watch if you don't know what's going to happen. Now this movie is a meme. This is a cultural mm-hmm. um, touch point where everybody knows they're going off the cliff at the end. Right. That's what you know. You know that walking in, right? Yeah. But uh, if you were to watch this movie opening weekend and you didn't know that's where this was going. As Roger Ebert did. And then it, ju- well, before well, I mean, even, before yeah. Can, uh, he probably saw it at Cannes. Let's be right. real. Like <laughs> That's probably what happened. Um it would be extremely jarring to have that be the ending. I, if they had hold, held on any of those three, the freeze frame of the car, the drawing mm-hmm. of the car, or the white for, let's say, five to ten seconds before they went back into yeah. that country song and the flashbacks and the remember... Yeah, we know. We literally just watched this movie. It was, it's a two-hour movie. I've been here the whole time. I just saw these things. You don't have to remind me of them. And you don't let me sit in that finality of that choice for mm. any time at all. And, I, yeah, I agree with him a lot uh, with I, that. I think that because he was a filmmaker, he was a screenwriter and stuff mm-hmm. before he became a mm-hmm. critic. And like a lot of – I mean. I find it funny every time I watch an old Western and see Dario Argento's name, mm-hmm. you know, this, well, you know, doing Westerns for uh, Sergio Leone. Mm-hmm. But a lot of, uh, well, in the early days, a lot of critics were actual filmmakers themselves. Truffaut was another one. But they also um, study film. They yeah, understand they what film. And it's like, and I makes a film. In, in reading that, I was really intrigued by the last couple of minutes, and I, seconds. And I remember turning to you and Stephanie yeah. going, what did you think about that ending? And um, what I didn't want is them to. I, I you no, need to see them in the right. sky. You don't want. You don't want to see the destruction of the car. You right. do, that is no. That would be a disservice and to everything. Whoever, it would be fucking terrible. However, they did this stunt, whether it was an actual full size car or a miniature or something, it really does look like they catch air for about a, yep. maybe a hundred feet. Like or they're something. going. Like they're they're. they're 
they're transcending. Right. There's a transcendence to it. You put them back onto the earth and it it's it yeah. it it's it's short shrift to everything involved. It's yeah. it's terrible. But I think that and our roommate thought that it could have been like a test group just as no no like it's too much. It's too much. It could but have been you too need, intense. That's the thing, though. But, uh, there's, there's the, but it, that has happened before. I, I mean, think it does take away some of the power right. of the end of it. Yeah. And especially now, because you know that's how it ends. You're just like, okay, they went off the cliff. That's it. Let's let's move on to the next thing. You don't even sit with it, and it is something mm. to sit with. I think a right. little bit, but he does sort of take that away from you by flashing that white, and then immediately going into it is a jarringly happy country. Well, it, I don't know about that I last song choice either. At the end, it's sort of saccharine, like yeah, you know, uh, yeah. It feels patronizing right. a little bit, like. But everything's okay. These are just actors and actresses. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know I'm watching a movie. Like, <laughs> you don't have to babysit me so and hard. I'm really glad that I actually read Ebert's review because it made me think about the film in a different way. It's like, yes, it worked really hard to earn all the sympathy that I have for these two women. Yeah. And then to just sort of go, and they're dead. Yeah, right. Bye. Like, yeah. What? But other than that, what did you think? Did you find it thrilling? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I, like I said, the watch of it was way better and more gratifying and less traumatizing mm. than what I was bracing myself for. Because I just, I knew that there was a sexual assault scene. Right. And I just, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of sexual assault scenes. And they, they will sour a whole thing for me now. I'm just not in a state where I can digest that and move on with my fucking watching experience. Yeah. It's, it's, there's been too much, there's too much stuff going on outside of that with the way that the world is right now. It's just too much. Mm. <laughs> and um, this scene was brief enough. Um, and the the banter between the two, and you see Thelma really come sort of full circle past it, right. um, making it, quote, not so bad, which is, that's tricky. That's the other thing. I was like, like, have you learned nothing in the last 24 hours from that man who just assaulted you? Now you want to get in bed with this dude that you don't know? Like, that is the one piece of the movie where I'm just like, also, she is very, very drunk at that point too, and and I am um, like in the during the assault. Oh uh, no, no, afterwards. Oh okay. All through the film. All through the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, no, she from the moment she's that she leaves home, she is drinking constantly, and so that could also account for some of her decisions that she makes. I frankly found the film I, the the controversies. I remember when I was uh, when the film was first released that there are no redeeming male characters. I disagree with the fact that. I think it's just, it's a lot of men complaining. I remember being a, a member of a, a group online and we were talking about our favorite, because somebody asked, what is your favorite monster movie that isn't a monster movie in terms of kaiju? And I said, Colossal yeah. is one of my favorites. I and, mean, it is a monster movie. But it's not a, it's, the, it's the point is not it is a monster. Dip. No, you're right. right. You're right. And so, because people were saying that, monsters is another one. Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, and uh, 
the the kind of anger that came from a lot of men in this group about how horrible Colossal was. It's just like, oh my God, it was feminist trash. It was this, it was that. It's like, why is it? Because they don't want their toxic masculinity called out for what it well, is. But that's kind of what because that movie about. what is what that's what that movie's that about. Is a, <laughs> a brilliant piece on toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. as well as as a. But you are not bathed in toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. They are right, and so it's like being jerked out of a warm bath into a cold thing, and just being like having all eyes on you. It's, it's uncomfortable for men who are still in it mm-hmm. to see that stuff, right? Because they're, all they can do is be defensive about it. And like, no, well, that's not. No, I, no, 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 no. I feel that's the way that that this film is. It's not calling out all men. The examples no. of the men that they run into, with the exception of maybe two of them, in in, in your case, one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all acting like what guys do. And unfortunately, everyone knows those guys, right? Uh, it's the same thing with uh, The Shape of Water, which has a lot to say about toxic masculinity. Yeah. And and people don't understand that one either. And ableist culture, too. Oh, yes, yeah, very right. much. And yeah. so the that film also gets uh, a weird rap from people who are like, but, uh, you know, all these characters... No, let's... Boiling it down to its essence, you're offended by the fact that it calls out a certain kind of behavior. Yeah. As being okay, and it's not. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it this time, and I think I got that message much more now. Interesting. Maybe maybe I've evolved as a person. Yeah, these two yeah characters, I, I think that's probably right. These two characters aren't perfect. They're not no. represented as perfect, but they don't need to be. No. I mean, this was this was three years after The Accused was released. Right. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. film. But that was this, for people who haven't seen it, it's a very grueling movie based on a true story about a character Jodie Foster plays who dances at a bar with a guy and they rape her in the bar and there's a whole long scene that just goes on and on and on and on mm-hmm. where she's being sort of beaten and raped. Yes, uh, yeah. It's and, a very long, but the idea very was difficult scene. Before that, rape scenes were played sort of for titillation. Yeah, which is, which is so fucking heinous. Yes, and, and you watch films from the 60s and the early 70s, a lot of them were played that way. So to play it for just like, no, this is what it's like. It's horrible. And, yeah. and so I, I think that this film is sort of, as much as it's a trope, just, oh, you rescued her just in the nick of time before something really bad happened. No, no, no. I mean, that's problematic in itself. Yeah. I think that we've also reached a point where we don't need to keep using this as a trope anymore. Yeah, we could stop. That was... That was my problem. People didn't like the way Game of Thrones ended. I was having a problem with Game of Thrones before it ended because I was like, we could stop having rape constantly. And why I haven't gone back to Outlander. I know between where I am in the season that I'm Mm -hmm. in in Outlander and the end of my season in Outlander, there's at least four more rapes. And I don't want to. And the defense I've heard for that is, oh, it's realistic to the period. I don't. I'm going, but you know what? You're doing a story about time travel. Yeah. You can do anything you yeah. want to, right? Yep. 
yeah. you know, Game of Thrones has dragons. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Don't tell me anything is appropriate to the time period of Game of Thrones. That shit is fantasy. Right. That's it's not real. Dragons and giants and zombies. And you're telling me, but we need yeah, to Yeah. What be, period of time right? were there? We need what? to be more realistic. Are so you we're fucking going to talking about? Some more rape scenes. It's like, yeah, no. No. It's, it's um it's no it it's it's a it's become a trope it's become something that we can do without now yeah i'm tired anyhow all right so that's Thelma and Louise next week good job next week mm-hmm. we watch the classic zither masterpiece <laughs> the third man uh i don't know who it was directed by carol reed Directed by Carol Weed, starring Joseph Cotton, and Shh, Orson Welles. Shh, I love that. <laughs> when Roger Ebert did his film book a number of years ago, one of his film books, he had a, he published a poll that was taken of the best, ten best films ever made from around the world, and then international film critics and everything. And it's funny how Orson Welles was in three of those films. Yeah. Citizen Kane, The Magnificent Ambersons, and The Third Man. I've only never seen the first one, or second one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to watch next week. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, do, you, do you have anything you'd like to recommend? I have not been able to catch up on something. <gasps> it's a pity. You were watching something when I came out today, and you're 14 yes, minutes from the end. You don't want to recommend that? Uh, 14 minutes from the end is the problem. Yeah. I have been on this weird kick where I'm watching Martin Scorsese's movies because they are now on on uh, Netflix. Oh, okay. So I watched um, Goodfellas, which I'd never seen before. I've never seen Goodfellas either. And I watched it just before Paul Sorvino passed. Mm-hmm. So there he is, and there he was. And, uh, and then also... The Departed, and I'd seen the, the... Yeah, you were watching The Departed, and I was like, no, and I covered my ears and my eyes, because I want to rewatch that movie, and I don't remember it, uh-huh. and I don't want to be spoiled. He has a gift for violence. Oh, yes, he does. He really does. He depicts violence in a very realistic way. Martin Scorsese's violence, that's what you're recommending this week? <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> It's I I watch it now and I think very much like how Quentin Tarantino wants to be him. I love this hot take that Quentin Tarantino released this week. The Hunger Games is stealing; it's just ripping off Battle Royale. Hey, Quentin Tarantino, how about you don't use the word phrase "ripping off" about fucking anything? Right. Also, duh. Also, those movies are ten years old. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like just a threefer where I was just like, the fuck. But that's that's the kind of thing that he does nowadays. His whole Bruce Lee comment where he doubled down on a false statement he made about Bruce Lee, yeah, and then added mess. another false statement about Bruce Lee. And we gave him too much leeway with the N word, and I, yeah. I, I can't. And with that's him. kind of when I'm watching <laughs> Scorsese's movies, he'll use that word too mm-hmm. inside of a context, and there'll be black characters around the film that are like. Anthony Edwards is not Anthony Anthony Anderson. Anderson, Yeah, Anderson is in this movie along with everyone else you know that ever started a film ever. Um, And so it just becomes this kind of odd. Oh, this is the way that people are in this environment. This is Boston, and Boston, from what I understand, at least Boston be like, yeah, yeah, is 
very racist. So um, yeah. I yes. hope it's gotten better. Yeah, yeah, especially cops. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you... Boston cops are not yeah. known for their yeah open mindedness. Have you seen something that? Uh... Blown Away is season three is is out. Okay. We haven't watched the whole season, but watching Glassblowing Competition on Netflix, it's awesome. Yeah, some of the stuff that I saw just yesterday was amazing. <laughs> Lately, I've been watching trailers for Black Panther and She-Hulk. And, we're going to a wedding today. Uh, we're going to a wedding today. In Wakanda. Wakanda forever. Yes. Close to, to, to Wakanda as I'm ever going to get, sadly. Uh, yes. Uh, so we are headed to a wedding shortly. Um, but yeah, I have not... I've been uh I've been deep in TikTok. I mm-hmm. I I can't recommend that to anyone. I mean, I'm getting some stuff out of it, but mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of TV or movies because TikTok. Right. I, I we watched a film last night. And I don't know about recommending it because I'm still very baffled about it myself. What do uh, we watch? Spiderhead. Oh, you know, if you want, okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> there are some bonkers ass sentences coming out of actors faces right. at each other like they really got them them to say some crazy shit um i thought it was good though i really enjoyed it it was weird and it was a little rushed at the ending i was like oh we're just okay that's quick we just solved it all right good job i guess um it's a fun sci-fi adventure thing. Fun, uh, I think Chris Hemsworth is very good in it. I, that's the problem that I had with it. Is that I feel I I can't make up my mind whether I thought he was miscast. Oh, I thought he was great. I think they saw him in Ghostbusters, uh-huh. and they cast him. And I think it was a good cast. I think he was good. I think he. I wish he had been able to do his regular accent because some of his line line readings were fucking. First of all, the words that they were having them mm. say were bonkers because they were just making up drug names. Um, in the age of Sky Rizzy, yeah, yeah, I can believe dark and socks. Yeah, right. I can believe um, stupid drug names he comes up. with. But his American accent is a little. It's like most. It's a little forced. It's like and most I, if they, he could accents, have been right. an Australian man. Just make him an Australian. Let him talk normal. There's no re- they're on an they're on a prison island in a sci-fi film. He could have absolutely had an Australian accent. When you hear no reason for him to not have an Australian English, accent. Australian actors doing an American accent often they go very nasal. I enjoy a hot dog. Right. <laughs> like and okay, is, Liam Neeson, settle down. <laughs> there is a kind of a nasal quality to it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very odd. It just sounds odd to our ears because yeah. we're used to hearing how it's supposed to sound, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I just, there was no reason for him but, to not be able to do. But, but I, I, Miles Teller actually was quite good in it and I don't like, he's got a punchable, punchable face. Um, and J- Journey Smollett was in it and I think she's great. Yeah. I, I had issues with just, I didn't know that I could, every, I don't know. Well, people can see it and make up their own minds. Yeah, it was. I think it was good. I think it was entertaining. Not, not as well executed as they wanted it to be, and I think the ending is a little rushed. But I think it was entertaining. I think for sure, I, I enjoyed the watch of it mm-hmm. the whole time. Oh, I was yeah. entertained, so that was pretty good. Um, yeah, Spiderhead on Netflix. Terrible title, also. Stephanie's like, "Why the fuck was it called Spiderhead?" And I was like, "Okay, there was one line." Right. Ten minutes in. 
where we indicated that the place where a lot of it took place was called Spiderhead. My sense is the short story, it was a, it was a, also a New Yorker production because mm. the short story appeared originally in the New Yorker. And my sense, I haven't read the story, but I'm like, it might be a situation where, um, the entirety of the story actually takes place in that room right. and we see more because it's a movie and not a short story. I don't know though. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bad title. Like they they made some bad choices, but I think overall it's, it was pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Uh, I don't know. Dark and Fox. What do you say? There's Dark and Fox in your, uh, Mido pack or something like that. Yeah. And you're just like, what are you saying? <laughs> Those are not words. <laughs> like, no. Um, okay. So next week, mm-hmm. third man, <laughs> we bought it. I bought it on Netflix. Nope. I bought it on Amazon because you could rent it for three ninety nine or buy it for four ninety nine. So. Just buy it. Just buy, buy it. it. It's it great. It's fantastic. It's so just good. Listen to that it. music. Oh, listen, watch it with us. And come back next week and we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Latecomers Pod or you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. I need to remind you, please take your medicine. And we would like to remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never.